Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Monday, folks, and sheesh, man, oh man, those first four days of March Madness has officially came to an end, and man, oh man, it's great. I'm missing it already, folks. No game on, you know, in seven minutes that we have to get ready for betting-wise and all that, none of no, we gotta wait till Thursday. We got four more games coming up Thursday, four more games coming up Friday, and then once again, what do we wait a week for two games on a day, and then wait a week again, something along those lines? But uh, the main point is that we've got no glorious full days of college basketball on anymore until next March Madness. So I told y'all to enjoy it, soak it in while you could. We did over here. So hopefully y'all took advantage and did the same as well. So today on the show, we'll we'll briefly touch about on March Madness, briefly touch upon that. But uh, getting back into kind of the swing of things over here, we've been neglecting the NBA over the last couple of days, but we're right back on track, breaking it all down of what we just saw yesterday. And there's one team I cannot let get away with something. So this team, big, big team in our power rankings, big team that we favor. They just won last night trying to kind of, you know, uh, swipe a uh, sweep under the rug what they did on. Saturday night that is almost inexcusable and I can't let them get away with it didn't bring it up on uh, yesterday's show but we will bring it up today uh, so breaking down the NBA from last night breaking down the games tonight how can we make money in the NBA we were uh, I don't know if we were making money on March Madness but uh, we'll try to be making money in the NBA definitely got our butts kicked we had to throw out our algorithm yesterday and kind of just go what our eyes were telling us. Uh, we had seven bets without our algorithm. And what do we miss? Three. We had, uh, we had Houston on the money line. Villanova on the money line. Michigan State plus six and a half. They didn't cover. Wisconsin on the money line. Wisconsin, they, they got upset, correct? I was really loving Wisconsin last night. What does Wisconsin do? Wisconsin, uh... Wisconsin lose, yeah, they lost to Iowa State, yeah, I was big on Wisconsin, really thought they were going to win, and uh, they lost by five to Iowa State, so Wisconsin let us down, Michigan State plus a six and a half let us down, Notre Dame plus the eight, that was kind of one of our best bets yesterday, we are big on Notre Dame, we'll get in more on that in a second. Uh, we had Texas plus three and a half. Duke covers that, and TCU plus nine and a half. That hit. So we officially went to three, uh, four of three, four hits, three losses on our final day, not using our algorithm. So uh, not the greatest. So. Hopefully, hopefully we have everything truly refined for Thursday so we can start doing something here in March Madness. Or we may just have to stay away from it altogether because it has not been a very happy March Madness over here at Takes by Fans. Uh, so we'll quickly touch about March Madness. We'll do the NBA and then there's this NFL. 
There's this NFL story out here, folks. I don't know if you've seen the headlines. It's really kind of making its way around the internet and all the media kind of recently over the last, I would probably say, hour. I think the story popped across my desk at like 9 o'clock this morning when the story came out. Uh, we had 9.46, so I'm sure you all are seeing some headlines. We were able to get the full article. Thank goodness we didn't. Uh, I don't know if I can say this on the air. Let me just say I used uh, some alternative ways ways of thinking to get access to this information. Let me just let me just put it out, out, out there. Don't want to incriminate myself, but uh, that's what we did. So we got the whole article. We're not, we're not taking this one, qu uh, one quote. This one quote, I'm sure you've seen. This is the one that's truly kind of making its way around the circles on the internet. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll break down that entire article. It's going to be bizarre. It's going to be, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll get heated over it because it's going to be so absolutely bizarre, folks, and just so, what? what like I'm sure everyone's gonna be saying what jaw dropping it's gonna get crazy folks so uh we'll save that we won't spoil anything if you've seen it you've seen it if you haven't you're gonna be in for a treat because it's just what what so gotta talk that through and then we should maybe be able to get back to our thought we had a question a burning question right before March Madness kind of overtook the show a little bit so we're going to try and get back on track on that. Is Russell Wilson still good? Uh, did the Seahawks win the trade? Is there potential quarterback that they're going to potentially draft Malik? I lost this man's uh, last name. Malik Willis. Is Malik Willis going to be better than Russell Wilson? Who won the trade? Denver or Seattle? Did Seattle get rid of Russell Wilson right before his true decline as an NFL quarterback? Or does he still have some great football left in him is he still one of the top 10 quarterbacks one of the top five quarterbacks at any given time at any point of the season and all that so our question before March Madness is Russell Wilson still good we're going to try and investigate that today on the show we've got some rookie year highlights second year Super Bowl winning highlights we got his highlights from this season and all we're really just going to try and watch for is to see is there any decline was he making some miraculous throws first two seasons that we're really just not seeing anymore and that's really what we're going to use as a gauge is this man falling off we'll also check the stats any discrepancies over the last few years three four years compared compared to those super bowl winning Super Bowl participate years and all that. So still got to see if Russell Wilson is still good. We did not forget March Madness, a little bit of an intermission here, but we're right back on NFL and right back on Russell Wilson. So, and uh, folks, we're like two quarterback stories behind. You know, now we're on Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. We have to still inspect them a little bit, uh, a little bit more fine tuner like we're doing here with Russell Wilson. But uh, uh, there's just so much to do. We got the draft. Still want to get a little prepared for the draft as well. That's why I want to watch, you know, once again, Malik Willis from Auburn, the quarterback that's potentially going to be the only quarterback taken. And is there even going to be a quarterback taken in this year's draft? And now we've got what's going on with Baker Mayfield. He's out of there. So, so much quarterback news here. We must try to get the Russell Wilson stuff out of the way so we can progress forward with every other burning quarterback question we have. Can the man play? You must have a good quarterback. And Russell Wilson is a little bit of uh, the first one up in our investigative series. Are they good? Have they ever been good? And can they still be good? And Russell Wilson is going to be the first one up here. <coughs> so we got all that today on the show. So let's kick it off here. 
Uh, so let's start with March Madness. Let's touch upon what has been going on. Once again, our bracket is absolutely bust. Uh, we're at like 1.5 million. That's our rank, like 1.5 million. We're in the 32nd percentile. Our bracket is basically officially bunk. Now, we do still have our winners, Gonzaga. They are still in it. Thank goodness we have something. Uh, two of our final four are no longer in it. Kentucky and Iowa. And what the hell was Iowa? They can even get it past the first round. Truly unfortunate there. But uh, everybody else, Gonzaga's looking pretty good. The only thing that's really kind of concerning with Gonzaga is their first half play. Uh, down round one against the 16 seed. Down in the second round in the first half against Memphis. And they were down like 10. But Gonzaga able to stick with it overcome all those big time deficits and put in the work in the second half. So a little bit of a silver lining with a little bit of a red flag. So we'll see if Gonzaga can continue to keep it up. They got uh, number four Arkansas in their next matchup of the Sweet 16, and we know Arkansas plays some good defense as well, so Gonzaga is truly going to have to bring it, but I do still think Gonzaga can make it to the Final Four. Also in the Sweet 16, we got Texas Tech and Duke. Yeah, none of these teams are looking fantastic or spectacular. Just kind of classic college basketball teams. Nothing really is kind of jumping off the page uh, for me on either of these two teams. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, definitely rooting for Coach K. Um, you know, the, the story's kind of been going a little bit under the rug, which is kind of uh, a little strange because Coach K is so illustrious in college basketball. So I would kind of expect on every broadcast, whether Duke's playing or not, not that they mention that this is Coach K's final dance, last dance, last ride, whatever you want to call it, but we don't really get that. Um, so I was a little surprised by that, but now here I am rooting for Coach K. Uh, they always show kind of him walking with his wife down the tunnel of the pregame, uh, you know, right before pregame, all that. They've showed that twice, so that's kind of, you know, their nod to it. Uh, then they go in a room and kind of had their own one-on-one -on -one talk. He, like, waved off the cameras one time when they were trying to talk. He's like, hey, give us some space here. You don't think I deserve some space? Get out of your camera. Uh, so here I am finding myself rooting for Coach K on his final ride. So I am going to be kind of rooting for Coach K a little bit as the rest of the tournament progresses. Uh, what else we got? We got UNC and UCLA, North Carolina, UCLA going up in the Sweet 16 as well. Once again, none of these teams really kind of jumping off the page, moving the needle for me. We got Purdue and St. Peter's. St. Peter's with another upset in the second round over number seven, Murray State. So we got a 15th seed here in the Sweet 16, and they're going up against Purdue, and Purdue's looking pretty solid defensively. We'll see if St. Peter's can uh, do another upset here coming up Thursday and Friday. All right, uh, other teams in the Sweet 16. We got Arizona and Houston. Yeah, once again, Arizona's looking a little bit dominant out here. TCU gave them a nice run for their money last night, took them to overtime, cover the plus nine and a half here. But Arizona, once again, able to kind of hold off all those runs, come back and secure it in overtime. So Arizona and Gonzaga are just kind of looking like the most complete team to me, I would say. Yes, they are both one seeds, but their overall game of playing a full uh, 40 minutes of basketball, not 60, like in the NBA, or not even 60, 48. But yeah, you know, they're, the Gonzaga and Arizona have truly played a full 
40 minutes of basketball over their first two games. So that's kind of what jumped off the page to me. They look like the complete fullest teams here of March Madness. Houston, once again, uh, you know, looked decent against Illinois, but, uh, you know, is it going to be able to uh, keep going? Is it going to be able to make it through the bracket? Once again, Gonzaga overcoming, getting it done in the second half. Arizona going close in some of these games, but still able to pull it off in all of that. So Houston, we'll see if they're able to take down Arizona. I don't know. But then we get Michigan and Villanova, and I'm loving what Michigan is showing us, folks, in 11 seed. And this is probably outside of Gonzaga. I would say Michigan is probably my second favorite team left in the tournament. Gonzaga, once again, overcoming those deficits in the second half. That's something special, especially in college basketball. So leadership, a uh, little bit of magic, March Madness magic sprinkled in there. So I'm still having Gonzaga. Gonzaga as my one, but I'm loving Michigan to give everybody a run for their money, and if I'm getting points uh, Thursday, Friday when Michigan plays, I'm taking that, and this is maybe the only game we bet because just March Madness, I, I, I can't get a hold on it, folks. We tried the algorithm. We tried our thinking. Nothing's truly working. The only thing I am confident in is Michigan, so I think in the Sweet 16 round, I may bet a little bit on Gonzaga. We'll swallow some points there, but really, any points we're getting with Michigan, I will be betting that I'm loving Michigan. The three-pointers, bingo, bingo, the down low points in the paint, the rebounds. Michigan can really do it all here in um, two upsets in their first two meetings. They are the 11 seeds, so beating Colorado State, beating number three, Tennessee, and now moving on to number two, Villanova. It's going to be a great matchup. Michigan has shown that they can hang with the higher seeds, hang with the higher offensive scoring power. So, we'll see if Michigan, they scored 75 and 76 points in their first two games. Villanova, 80 and 71. So, we know Michigan can keep up um, scoring pace from the threes. Their bigs can get it done over Villanova. So, watch out for Michigan, folks. I'm loving everything about it. So, we'll be taking Michigan. Hopefully, we get some great value. We won't spoil anything till Thursday or Friday. But, hopefully, if I'm getting like six, seven, eight. Oh, my God. Anything more than seven is fantastic. Three, four, five. It's okay. I would like a little bit more. I'll take it regardless. But if it's six, seven, eight, you bet the farm on that. Take those points. Absolutely. All right, final four teams here in the Sweet 16. We got Kansas and Providence. Kansas, the number one seed. But Providence, once again, we gave them no respect here in the tournament. We thought they'd be bounced out first round, but here they are in the Sweet 16. Everybody's dark horse a little bit getting it done. So shout out to Providence for getting these wins here and kind of, you know, you know, making us wrong a little bit. Shout out to Providence for that. And then we get Iowa State in Florida, and this is bizarre. We got an 11-10 matchup in the Sweet 16. So both of these teams overcoming the odds here, beating some higher seeds to get here to the Sweet 16. But once again, Iowa being able to beat Wisconsin, that was very well done. Can they keep it up? And I never really saw anything great on Iowa State. It's not, And I don't want to disrespect or knock to Iowa State. They won the game, so we still give them all the credit. But I didn't. it didn't feel like Iowa State would that was that much better than Wisconsin that Iowa State actually went out and won the game it seemed just like Wisconsin was so lackluster that they lost the game but uh, we still gave we, we will still give Iowa State their props for winning the winning the game and then we get Miami beating Auburn the other night 
to advance to the Sweet 16. So those are the final 16 teams here in March Madness. Hopefully your bracket's looking a little bit better than ours because ours is not looking good at all. But uh, shout out to Gonzaga and watch out for Michigan, folks. And the best thing about this, we may be able to get some great value here in the Sweet 16. So watch out for that. We'll take a few days off of March Madness, then we're right back at it on Thursday and Friday for some more games. But uh, Michigan, folks, do not sleep on Michigan. I'm loving them. Loving them, loving them. Alrighty, that's what we wanted to touch upon today on March Madness, and we probably won't talk about it till Thursday, like uh, everybody. <laughs> like everybody. Why do we need to talk about March Madness? Y'all know how it goes. Uh, we'll play along with it. Absolutely, it's fun to talk about, it's fun to watch, fun to bet, fun to fill out brackets. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, when there's downtime, we're not going to still be talking about March Madness. Okay, folks? <laughs> so. Now, let's shift gears to the NBA. Let's break down what happened last night. Let's get a little bit kind of caught up overall around the league over the last few days. I also want to check the standings as well. We're in a little bit of a home stretch here. Final 10, 12 games-ish for everybody kind of remaining for the remainder of the regular season. So, we'll break down the NBA that happened last night. And then I want to check the um, overall standings to see where there's any movement. There's one big movement. I can't wait to talk about but wait for that <coughs> all righty so here we go first game up from last night here <clears throat> we got the Blazers at the Pacers and the Pacers get a nice win here Nice dominant 32-point win, winning 129-98 over the Blazers. Once again, nobody's on the Blazers. Anthony Simon's still not playing. It's really just Josh Hart out there by his lonesome. So well done for the Pacers taking advantage and taking care of business. Tyrese Halliburton, he had 10.7 assists last night. Once again, not really doing what we really want him to do. We really want him to be that 10-20 to 20 point score, but they're able to beat this Blazers team, this lackluster Blazers team, by only... Uh, taking eight shots last night. Man shot four of eight from the field for those 10 points. We had Buddy Heal, little lackluster last night. Nine points overall, only shot two of nine from the three. Six points from the three, three points from the free throw line for his nine points. So Tyrese Halliburton let us down, Buddy Heald let us down, and they still get the win. I mean, this is how bad this Blazers team is without any of their really key pieces. We have Goga Badazi at the starting five, 12 points, two rebounds, mediocre, lackluster. Justin Anderson at the four, 18 points. We shout that man out. And then O'Shea Brissett at the three, 24 points, nine rebounds. Very well done. But the really key to the story here was this bench by the Pacers. Everybody getting it done off the bench. We had Dwayne Washington, 13 points, six assists. Very well done. Jalen Smith, 17 points, five rebounds. Lance Stevenson, only two points on one shot. So shout out to the 100% shooting percentage but those 11 assists and those six rebounds in 27 minutes fantastic and then terry taylor coming off the bench 17 big old points as well so pacers uh their season is currently over correct they are out of the out of the running officially we get the pacers officially eliminated from the playoffs so a little bit too little too late here for the pacers to start winning some games here let's have tyrese halliburton buddy healed figure it out in the offseason bring in a potential third piece for maybe a potential big three it's not the biggest big three tyrese halliburton buddy healed and some random 
Kingdom Third, but it would be the beginnings of a potential blooming big three. Uh, but still, a lot of time, a lot of growth, a lot of water, a lot of sunlight to get that big three blossoming. Uh, so it's going to take a long time, but we'll see what the Pacers end up doing. They end up trading. You know, their biggest piece of bonus. So do they have a plan for the future? Do they have an eye on somebody to kind of help out Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald for this Pacers team? I don't know, but we've got to see something happen in the offseason if we even want to buy this Pacers team heading into next year, which we won't and we don't want to buy them at all because what's there to buy? Um... This is really uh, this is this is not somebody any anybody should be buying. Nobody should be buying any stake, any stock into this Pacers team, folks. Uh, so they got to do something in the off season, but that's exactly where they're headed. The off season. All right, and then for the Blazers last night, uh, once again, no Anthony Simon. So we actually had Josh Hart filling in for him at the one, and he had a pretty solid night. 26 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, making the most out of these lackluster. I mean, these are like Tier 3 weapons out here, folks. Drew Eubanks, 12 points, 8 rebounds. Meh. Brandon Williams, 10 points, 2 assists. Meh. Trent Wofford, he had 17 points, 8 rebounds. We give him credit for that. But then we go to CJ Ellaby, 2 points, 5 rebounds. Man, these are lackluster tier three weapons. Josh Hart trying his damnedest, but we saw a lot of people on this Blazers team try their damnedest to get it done themselves, and they're all injured or traded away. So, <laughs> Josh Hart, not that great for you because you got traded here. They're not trading you away that quick. Pacers blow out the Blazers. They win 129-98. to Alright, next game up here, we get the Grizzlies and the Rockets, and everybody can celebrate the Grizzlies won. Very well done. They blow out the Rockets, winning by 24-122, 98-point win here for the Grizzlies last night, and shout out to the Grizzlies. They won the game. They took care of business. Everybody can rejoice. They won without John Morant last night. Big time impressive here for this Grizzlies team. Whenever you can have your number one star not play and still not lose any offensive production and still win the game and I know it's against this Rockets team that's basically like the the Blazers all tier three pieces but you know take care of business we really can never knock that so shout out to the Grizzlies for winning last night we had Tyus Jones filling in at the one for John Morant 13 points seven assists well done Desmond Bain 24 giant points seven assists five rebounds Steven Adams still doing his thing five points nine rebounds Dylan Brooks 20 big old points and then the bench for the Grizzlies very well well done. Once again, next man up. We had that from Tyus Jones. We had the bench stepping up to fill in for the lacking scoring depth that John Morant provides. Yes, John Morant can score whenever he wants, but also him being able to facilitate the floor. Everybody else, everybody else took advantage of that as well. So, DeAnthony Melton coming off the bench, 16 points, 7 rebounds. Zaire Williams, 14 points off the bench as well. So, great bench scores. Tyce Jones looking not like John Morant, but hey, did enough to get it done. So, shout out to this Grizzlies team for still winning, holding it down without John Morant. And then for the Rockets last night, leading score with Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench. 17 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Christian Wood, 12 points, 7 rebounds. You've got to do better. Dude, I don't know what else to tell Christian Wood. You've got this big name attached to you. That rookie year, everybody was gushing about you. And now here you are in a bigs world, a big dominant league, a big dominant era. 
you're putting up black like 12 and 7 what the hell is that like we've got Joel Embiid going 38 and 15 we got Carl Anthony Towns first of all winning the three-point contest and now having his team as the sixth seed yes sir they are now officially out of the playing tournament we'll talk about that a little bit more but Christian Wood what are we doing what are we doing? You're you're never even in the contention for any playoff, playing tournament, anything like that. You're putting up 12 and 7? Dominate the ball, command the ball, and, and be at least a little bit of a silver lining for this Rockets team because everything else is just so lackluster on this squad. So Christian Wood has truly let us down this entire year. I know he has no help, but you've got to do something. We've got to do better than 12 and 7. <laughs> got to do better than that. So... Rockets get absolutely dis demolished here, so shout out to the Grizzlies, but, but, we cannot let them celebrate for too long because we got to take it back to Saturday night, folks, Saturday night, got to rewind it a little bit here where we had, or was it Friday, was it Friday night, you're not going to get away from me, um, where, what, where, where, when was this, was it Thursday, no, Wednesday? Wasn't Wednesday. When was this? I, I hang on. The Grizzlies are trying to uh trying to have a little bit of revisionist history here, and I will not let them do this. I will not let them off of what happened last uh the other night. Where the heck is this? Should have been Friday or Saturday. I thought it was Friday. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What am I thinking of? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me look at it like this. We know the NBA or the yeah, the NBA website is a little wonky, a little bit. It can get a little wonky when you're looking, trying to scroll back a couple of days of games. But let me go like this here, folks. Let me go like this here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We just had the Grizzlies versus the Hawks. I thought that was on Friday or Saturday. Let me go to this. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. 318. Yeah, when was the 18th? Friday? Yeah, it was Friday. So NBA.com, what are you what are you telling me here? It was on Friday. We went back too far. Is that what you're telling me? The 18th. There we go. All right. Went to the wrong Friday. Here we go. All righty. So here we go. Grizzlies at the Hawks on Friday night. Yes, we can all celebrate that the Grizzlies won last night, but the Grizzlies lost on Friday night, and we did not talk about it, folks, and they lost by 15 on the road to a Hawks team with no Trey Young. What? And John Moran played on Friday night. I know he didn't play last night, but he played on Friday night against the Hawks on the road with no Trey Young, and you lose by 15. The hell is this? We know the Hawks aren't even good. The Hawks aren't even a good basketball team with or without Trey Young. Folks, they are a play-in tournament team at the 10th seed because they can't beat the Hornets, folks, okay? So the Grizzlies, what the hell was this performance? Lose by 15 against the Hawks team? A little unacceptable. I was kind of sick to my stomach when I saw this happen here. And I can't let the Grizzlies just kind of skate by because we didn't break down the NBA over the last few days because of March Madness going on. So you're not getting away from this John Morant. You're not getting away from this Grizzlies. Yes, you won the last game. I get it. But this... Loss is glaring and, and 
and may may affect you a little bit when we reorder our power rankings coming up on Friday. I'm not going to let them get away with this. So if they have a little bit of a lackluster rest of the week, a little bit of a potential, uh, you know, do we move them up a spot, down a spot to make room for another team? We're, we're going to kind of be going back to this performance right here where you let a Trey Youngless Hawks team beat you. A little unacceptable out here, so please do better. Yes, you went out and beat the Rockets without John Morant, but once again, it's the Rockets. Come on. Come on, you should be winning it. You, you you could put one person out there. You could do one verse five, one verse thirteen. It doesn't matter. You would end up beating the Rockets anyway. So, uh, big, jarring, glaring loss to the to the Hawks on Friday night, folks. Almost inexcusable. Truly, almost inexcusable. So Grizzlies get the win over the Rockets, one twenty-two to ninety-eight. Do better though. Please do better. All right, and speaking of Hawks, let's talk about the Hawks because they just lost to the Pelicans last night. That's what we mean. You, you lose to a Brandon Ingramless Pelicans team? What the hell is that? But shout out to the Pelicans for getting the win 117-112 over the Hawks last night. Nice five-point win for this Pelicans team. And once again, we'll check in on the Pelicans in the power in the standings in a moment. But shout out to this Pelicans team getting a nice win here. No Brandon Ingram. So just Valanchunas and McCollum out there. And it's not like they're out there by themselves, but we still want the big three of the Pelicans to truly kind of gauge them as a good team in this league. But shout out to the Pelicans for getting the win last night. Valanchunas, 26 points, 12 rebounds. Magnificent. We love it. CJ McCollum, 25 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. One once again, magnificent. We love it. Once again, and then you just add Brandon Ingram to the mix, folks. Another 20-plus point a night score, and we've got the big three. Yes, this is a true big three, folks. It's not one of the best. It's not the best big three in the league, but it's a true good, solid big three that's winnable, and it's going to be a tough out for any team that has to face this team in a playing tournament or playoff atmosphere. Shout out to the Pelicans for holding it down. So we had CJ McCollum, Valanchunas going off. We had Jackson Hayes still in the starting lineup, which we absolutely love. 12 points, 12 rebounds, and also Herbert Jones with a nice 11 points, four steals, two assists, three rebounds in the starting lineup. And then also off the bench, Willie Hernandez Gomez, 17 points, 10 rebounds. Jose Alvarado, 15 points, four assists, four rebounds. So next man up mentality, Ben mentality, getting it done and beating a Hawks team that is truly trying to double down and hunker down the last few games of the regular season to improve their positioning in the play-in tournament. And once again, we'll review all of that in a moment when we're done recapping the games from last night. But this Hawks team can't put it together to beat this Pelicans team. They can't put it together two games in a row to go and beat a John Morant Grizzlies team without Trey Young and then with Trey Young beat a Pelicans team. So is Trey Young not as good or as not as kind of what this Hawks team needs currently? We know Trey Young is a good player. Did he take a little bit of a step back from last season to last season to this season? Yeah, I would say a little bit. And then uh, you know, the the team doing better. Like the fact that they won 
against the Grizzlies with no John Morant. But then with John Morant, they lose against the Pelicans. It's a little potentially concerning here um, with Trey Young. Is he hurting the squad? Is he actually helping the squad? We know he's their best player on the team, and they're going to have to probably secure him with... Uh, they've got shooters. You got Gallinari. You got Bogdanovich. You know, the bigs, Clint Capella. He's a solid, good big overall. He can get you a double-double a night, but why did this Hawks team regret so much take a big step back from getting to the Western Conference Finals last season to only being a play-in tournament 10th seed at the current moment so this Hawks team they've got big question marks all around them they can't be consistent anything like that and we saw that last night when they lost against this Pelicans team man oh man so we had Trey Young, 21 points, 10 assists, 7 turnovers though. Ooh, that's glaring. We had Clint Capella, 14 points, 10 rebounds. That's a classic Clint Capella night. We had Kevin Herter, no points on 5 shots, missed every single one of them. Danilo Gallinari in the starting lineup, 27 points. And then Bogdanovich coming off the bench, still fantastic. 21 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds, but just not enough overall to get the win. So, shout out to the Pelicans for still winning without Brandon Ingram. But this Hawks team, they've got no identity. They're an up and down, hit and miss team, 50-50 team all across the board. And we see that on a nightly basis. Beat the Grizzlies with no Trey Young. Lose against the Pelicans at full strength. Not great. Pelicans get the five-point win, 117-112. All right, then we get the Thunder at the Magic. Two bad teams. Magic win by five. That's really it. They win 90 to 85 over the Thunder last night. Cole Anthony, six points, seven assists. Six points on 14% shooting. Classic Cole Anthony game. Uh, shout out to Wendell Carter for 30 giant points, 30 points, 16 rebounds at the four. Man, oh man, a fantastic night for Wendell Carter to help out with the win. And then for the Thunder, no Shea Gills Alexander, no Isaiah, uh, no Isaiah Roby did play so no Shea Gales Alexander no Lugans door classic Thunder put up 80 points so 85 points so two bad teams we won't go into that any further because why they're both eliminated from the playoffs mediocre all season we don't need to spend any more time on those teams all right so we go to the next game Suns at the Kings in this game goes into overtime because of mother loving Davian Mitchell folks yes Davian Mitchell finally exploding onto the scene a little bit here first kind of you know big time shot for the rookie Davian Mitchell coming off the bench here and uh, this is how it happened folks Kings down two points 110 108 eight seconds left Davian Mitchell gets the inbound and he just takes it right to the rack baby a nice layup to tie the game with 2.8 seconds left game goes into overtime and unfortunately the Kings cannot keep it up in overtime and the Suns win by three 127 124 in overtime so Suns go to overtime with the Kings it's not the best look optically but for how the Suns team has been playing ever since the Chris Paul injury ever since Devin Booker you know missed those like what two games as well as as soon as kind of Chris Paul went out the fact that the Suns team is still good and still able to kind of win without Chris Paul uh, we can give them a little bit of a break 
a little bit of the, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt here of going into overtime against, you know, a little bit of a lackluster Kings team. So, yes, they went into overtime, but, you know, we're, we're this is not going to change our thinking. We're not overreacting because they went into overtime with the bad team. No, no, no. Well done to kind of hunker down and get it going and kind of, you know, keep being good and productive offensively in overtime. That's kind of, that should be the biggest takeaway, that they were able to win an overtime game. Once again, how your team wins truly matters in the postseason finding out ways to win when the games are closed when you have to come back and truly kind of dig deep to come back and overcome a 10 20 point deficit whatever whatever it is winning multiple ways not just kind of oh we were dominant the entire game we win yay yeah that is good and we still want to see that but we want to see you win other ways as well because every game is not going to be sunshines and rainbows folks and it could happen at any point against one of the best teams in the league like a Bucks team like a Suns team like a potential 76ers and I say potential because they just lost last night we'll talk about that uh, but or or like and it can come at any point like a, a, a Hawks team without Trey Young that you know can be competitive. A Kings team can always be competitive, so you must be ready for any circumstances. And uh, this Suns team, man, oh man, man, oh man, have they ever? These last two weeks have been so eye-opening on the Suns team. This Suns team has truly gotten so much better from last season when they were in the finals. And you may be thinking to yourself, how can the team get so much better when they were just at the finals last season? Well, we're seeing it here. This Suns team, it seems like they're so much more mature that, you know, kind of experience cliche that we hear all the time is truly not a cliche anymore. Oh, we need experience in the playoffs. You need experience to be successful in the playoffs and in the finals and all that. Well, the Suns and Chris Paul took that to the extreme. And now that they've got the experience of being in an NBA final setting, you can't stop this team at all from that point on. Winning games, full strength, Non-full strength, on the road, close, however, it you know, down, up, big-time deficit, big-time lead, closing out a game, coming back from behind, it doesn't matter. The Suns team can win any which way, can get great producers offensively any which way from their stars, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, or their bench of... Tory Craig and Landry Shaman and uh, Alfred Payton filling in at the one here. It's Alfred Payton. It's not uh, Cameron Payne here playing last night. So we had Alfred Payne filling in at the one, and he did nothing. He had one point. He had three steals, two assists, four rebounds, and uh, he only played 18 minutes. But they still were able to get the win, folks. No Cameron Payne, no Cameron Johnson, no Chris Paul, and they still win the game. I'm, I'm, I'm almost ready to put it at the Suns as maybe the best team in the NBA, maybe second because of the Celtics, still big time on the Celtics, but man, oh man, this Suns team is absolutely legit, and I think, what do we got them currently, because I, I I think I just convinced myself to put them up a little bit higher, geez Louise, Suns currently the third seed, yeah, I'm ready to put them up at number two, absolutely, and didn't the Bucks just play last night, the Bucks played last night or two nights ago, didn't they just lose their last game? I'll wait till Friday for the official movement, but Suns, I'm ready. I'm ready to put them at the two. Let's hope, Let's be hopeful that they can stay on this course for the rest of the week, whatever they got coming up here, because I'm ready to put them at the number two. Yes, sir. Love this Suns team, folks. Love it.
So here we go. Alfred Payton, like we said, filling out the one and did absolutely nothing. One point through uh, two assists. A uh, minus 13 on the floor. Not that great. Uh, Devin Booker, he went crazy. 31 points on 52% shooting. Five assists, seven rebounds. We love it. DeAndre Ayton, a little bit of a lackluster game of what we've been seeing from him with no Chris Paul. Only 12 points, 10 rebounds, but enough to get it done, so we're not knocking it too hard. And then McCall Bridges, 27 big old points. But then we get the bench, folks. Laundry Shaw at 21 points. We had Aaron Holiday, nine points seven assists and then JaVale McGee the big folks 14 points and seven rebounds but then we have Torrey Craig as well six points 10 rebounds so everybody getting it done we had four great bench contributions without Cameron Payne without Cameron Johnson so that's like two more deep bench roll pieces and they still get it going folks I can't gush over the Suns team anymore today I'm loving everything about this team it and this truly could be the Suns' year. Given how everything else has been playing out, where the 76ers aren't looking that good, the Nets probably can't get to the finals because Kyrie Irving is not going to be able to play home games. The Bucks are still good. You don't have to worry about, you know, LeBron or anything this season. So this truly could be the Suns' year, folks, and absolutely, I'd be all here for it. Devin Booker, Chris Paul absolutely getting a ring. DeAndre Ayton, the big, finally paying off. Yeah, 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 I'm loving it. All right, and then they beat the Kings last night. Sabonis keeping the games close and still losing classic Sabonis fashion. And it truly is, uh, I don't know. I, I still It doesn't seem like anybody won the trade. I'm still trying to figure that out, <laughs> who won the Kings <coughs> Pacers trade. But truly, nobody won this trade. Uh, but Sabonis, 18 points, 12 rebounds last night. Davian Mitchell at the one, no De'Aaron Fox, so Davian Mitchell, 28 points, 9 rebounds, game-tying bucket in regulation, unfortunately couldn't keep it up in the overtime session, but shout-out to Davian Mitchell for having a really great game, and this could be the beginning of something absolutely fantastic with Davian Mitchell. Once again, Davian, Davian Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, do you keep them both? We'll see what happens in the offseason, but the Kings, uh, you know, and the Kings, they're they're the Kings, folks. They're the Pacers, they're the Kings, they're Sabonis, they're Alibur, and they're everybody. Kings lose to the Suns last night in overtime, 127-124. to <coughs> All right, next game up here, we got the Jazz at the Knicks. And uh, just as the Knicks have been beating a lot of people, you know, usually lackluster talent, they face this Jazz team and lose. And they lost at home by 15, folks. They lost 108-293. So this Knicks team back to being nothing great. But let's start with this Jazz team first since they got the win. Donovan Mitchell, Davian Mitchell's older, older brother, 36 points, 6 assists, 8 rebounds. He said, oh, Davian, I heard you went crazy. Well, so did I. So don't be, you know, bringing this up at the dinner table label later because I am still better than you. Don't get it twisted. Davey Mitchell with the 36 points, 6 assists, 8 rebounds. Magnificent work. Rudy Gobert, 14 points, 9 rebounds. We had Nikhil Alexander-Walker truly letting us down. 0 points on 6 shots. Please do better. And then Royce O'Neal with a nice 14 points, 5 rebounds to help out. But then the bench of the Jazz, like we know, they you know they can be fantastic. Jordan Clarkson, 23 points. Rudy Gay, 13 points, 7 rebounds, getting it done. And that's enough to blow, bass, blow past this lackluster next team. Julius Randle, back to floundering. Once again, he had, he had a nice like 10-game stretch. We tried to give credit to Julius Randle. We ended our sponsorship with the Knicks for the remainder of the season. And this is how they repay us, by getting absolutely blown out by the Jazz. Should have kept that sponsorship going, folks, but unfortunately, we did terminate the contract. So Julius Randle being back to his classic not good self, 13 points on 28% shooting. 
RJ Barrett did his thing out there, 20.7 rebounds. Uh, Evan Fournier, 17 points, only two assists, though. Once again, can somebody assist on this team? Can somebody, can we have some ball movement here? Can the guards be good? Because we're getting Evan Fournier, 17 points, two assists. The points are okay. Alec Burks at the other guard position, 10 points, three assists. Can somebody move the basketball? That's all I'm asking for. And the Knicks end up losing. Emmanuel quickly off the bench, who can facilitate the floor, 16 points, four assists. Oh, led the, led the guards in assisting numbers, and he's not in the starting lineup, and you've got really nothing to play for anymore. I know you're still kind of in the playing tournament hunt. We'll talk about that, but man, oh man, what the hell? Can we start Emmanuel quickly? This Knicks team, folks. Sticking with Julius Randle when we all knew his production from last season was truly inflated and would not carry over from last uh, last season to this season. Sticking with Tom Thibodeau heading into next season. What are the Knicks doing, folks? Are they being paid to lose games? Now that we've got this Stephen Ross of the Dolphins out there in the open A, you know, potentially paying coaches to lose games, we have to kind of question everything now, especially this Knicks team that, I mean, that doesn't look like they're trying to win because if they're trying to win um, this is concerning if you think this is trying to win so this Knicks team is so trash they're back to being trash and uh, man oh man you lose at home only putting up 93 points losing getting blown out by this Jazz team that wasn't even really at full strength last night man oh man Knicks lose they're trash very bad they lose 108 to 93 all right, all right, thank goodness. We got a palate cleanser here talking about those trash New York Knicks, but now we get to talk about the great Boston Celtics, folks, and I cannot, I cannot gush enough over this Celtics team. I am loving everything about this team to the superstars, Jason Tatum, and even a little bit of Jalen Brown. I'm, I still count that man as a little bit of a mini superstar. Um, we, we got the head coach, Emo Uduka, folks. I mean, man, oh man, what a fantastic job. And what makes this all better is that they had Brandon Stevens. Remember that last season, Brandon Stevens was still the head coach. And then he stepped down as a head coach to go in kind of a front office role. And then that's how Ima Uduka, you know, kind of came into power in the off season. And it's all really kind of coming together. The entire plan that was kind of kicked off last season that I didn't really love, um, I, you know, I, I guess I didn't really, I guess I thought Brandon Stevens was a good coach, so him kind of stepping down and taking a front office role, I didn't love at the time, but man, oh man, we can't, we can't knock the plan, you know, trust the plan, stick to the plan, well, the Celtics have done it 1,000%, and here we are, this Celtics team, like the best team in the NBA, maybe the most consistent team in the NBA, folks, like I'm ready to say that, the most consistent team in the NBA, and this is not the deepest team, this is not the most stacked team, but here we are, the Celtics, the best team in the league, they've been that number one in our power rankings for the last like week and a half, two weeks, we've been gushing about this Celtics team for the last month and a half, two months out here, and the plan is truly, uh, really kind of came to fruition. I don't think it's coming to fruition. Obviously, they got bigger aspirations than just being good in the regular season. But so far, it has all come together. And man, oh man, this Celtics team, folks, they are truly the real deal because they went last night on the road against a Nuggets team, Jokic MVP candidate. This is a bigs world. And they went into Denver and won by 20 points, folks, winning 124 to 104. Sheesh, man. Woo, woo, I love it. 
legend. Loving this Celtics team. Jason Tatum, 30 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Jalen Brown, mini superstar, 30 points, 6 rebounds. So don't disrespect. I don't want to hear no... Well, I truly don't want to hear any more Jason Tatum disrespect. But I don't want to see anybody playing around with Jalen Brown either. Because this is a mini superstar. And if he didn't have Jason Tatum on his team, he probably would be the superstar. So shout out to Jalen Brown, folks. Mini superstar. Yes? I know that's kind of an all-star, but no. I, I want I want a above all-star, below superstar. And, um, you know, at any given moment, you could make the argument, like, I I I'm chomping at the bit to put him in superstar. I'm just not officially yet because I know y'all. I know y'all. That's kind of why I'm not putting him into superstar status. But this is a potential superstar. Like, we may have two big superstars on this Celtics team come next season. And if you put a better big with this team, you put a number three for a big three on this team, man, watch out for for years to come, decades, I would go decades to come, 20 straight years of the Celtics being dominant, if you give them a better big, like you put a Jokic big, you put a Joel Embiid big, you put a Giannis big on this team, oh my god, like we're talking about like 2014, 2017 Dynasty Warriors team, folks, like yeah, yeah, Steph Curry Splash Brothers level of dynasty. I'm going that above and beyond. If you give the Celtics a big, a great big, or a number three for the big three, that's what the Celtics can truly achieve on this team. I'm telling y'all, I'm loving it. So Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown getting it done. Robert Williams still playing good, folks. We're not knocking the big out here, but we know he's not an offensive big. This is a more defensive big. He went eight points shooting 100%. 8 points, 9 rebounds, and was plus a, uh, plus 36 in only 26 minutes, which was absolutely fantastic. The highest plus minus of everybody on the floor. Uh, so all that was great. We had Marcus Mart. Kind of holding it down. Only seven points last night, but the seven assists, that's what we want to see. The facilitation by Marcus Mart. We don't love him falling in love with the shot. They can hit sometimes. It's not the most consistent. And once again, you get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to kind of take care of the scoring production. Grant Williams coming off the bench, 13 points, six rebounds, holding it down. And Derek White, once again, just kind of needs to do a little bit better out here. Six points on five shots, only three assists coming off the bench. Really need Daniel or Derek White to play a little bit better. Grant Williams has kind of been outplaying him off the bench, which we don't love. So hopefully we can get Derek White a little bit more incorporated into this offense. And then watch this, folks. Peyton Pritchard off the bench, 17 points in 19 minutes. The man shot 100%, five of five from three man oh man fantastic so once again we've wanted Peyton Pritchard we want we wanted Aaron Nesmith Aaron Nesmith more incorporated into this team getting better having them learn and grow young players coming off the bench they didn't do that all the regular season but we get we we have been getting good performances by Peyton Pritchard maybe in the last like two three weeks this may be like his second third good performance this is actually a great performance by him um, but, uh, yeah, shout out to the Celtics team. Everything is all coming together, folks, right at the end of the season when exactly you want it. Love this Celtics team moving forward. All right. 
And then for the Nuggets here, Jokic kind of, you know, a little lackluster last night. He had 23 points, but on 34% shooting, he was a minus 21 on the floor. That was the worst on the Nuggets last night, so not good there. And he only had eight rebounds, so really not a great night by Jokic in the MVP discussion, especially when you're going against a caliber team like the Celtics. We need to see dominance. MVPs must be dominant against the better teams, folks, where it means nothing. So Jokic letting us down a little bit last night in that regard. And then the second leading scorer was Aaron Smith or uh, Aaron Gordon. And you know you have a trouble. You have trouble when Aaron Gordon is your second leading scorer with only 13 points. So once again, Aaron Gordon, not the offensive producer. They don't really have a consistent number two offensive producer on this Nuggets team. And that's really why Jokic should still be highly regarded in the MVP discussion. Yes, he floundered here. But overall, I mean, this Nuggets team, Jokic doesn't have anybody. Joel Embiid had Tyrese Halliburton. Burton really, or not Terry Taylor, Tyrese Maxey the entire season, and don't disrespect me by saying, oh, you're using Ty, uh, Tyrese Maxey as a gauge, yes, because Tyrese Maxey was actually really, really good this regular season, even before James Harden got here, so I don't want to hear it, folks, you understand me? Giannis in the MVP discussion has Chris Middleton, has Drew Holiday, had, you know, uh, you know Bobby Portis hel helping him out when... Their other big went down. Uh, Brooke Lopez went down. So, Jokic just has the least amount of health help. That's why I want him kind of still at MVP number one. But let's kind of clean this up a little bit. Hopefully... The Nuggets have another kind of big competitor, big uh, big team coming into town soon that uh, Jokic can kind of dominate and kind of get back in the good graces of kind of the MVP discussion. So everybody else letting Jokic down last night. Uh, we had DeMarcus Cousins, 12 points coming off the bench. That was the third leading score. DeMarcus Cousins, 12 points, third leading score. Do you see where we're kind of going wrong here with the Nuggets? So Nuggets lose, but shout out to the Celtics being so gosh dang good, folks, winning 124 to 104. All right, then we get uh, the Raptors at the 76ers, and uh, this is not good by the 76ers, so Joel Embiid's MVP kind of, you know, uh, value dropped as well last night, folks. Let's, so let's keep that same energy. Everybody was knocking Jokic um, last night, but uh, let's also knock Joel Embiid because you couldn't beat the Raptors at home. Come on, come on. We like the Raptors, but come on, come on. Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden, this is too good to be losing to this Raptors team. Yes, come on. Come on, come on. So, 76ers lose by 5, 93-88. Let's start here with the Raptors first. And they lost against a Raptors team with no Fred Van Vliet. Oh, my goodness. But y'all know, with no Fred Van Vliet, the lineup has to get shuffled. And who's the ultimate wild card on a randomly shuffled deck, folks? Yeah. Yeah. Siakam. So, Siakam has to go and play the 3 last night because Scotty Barnes has to go and fill in at the 1 last night, folks. So, a little bit of Raptors roulette last night. This was their starting lineup. Scotty Barnes at the 1, Gary Trent Jr. at the 2, Siakam at the 3, Precious at the 4, and then Kem Birch at the 5. This was their still this was their starting lineup and they got it done. Scotty Barnes at the 1, 13 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. That was well done. Not Fred VanVleet-esque, but well done for Scotty Barnes to fill in a little bit at the 1. Gary Trent Jr. letting us down 9 points on only 15% shooting, but it was enough to get it done. The real star last night was Siakam, potential MVP candidate, folks. 
kind of reviving that last night. I think it is a little bit too little too late to kind of reinsert Siakam into the MVP discussion, but I'm glad that Pascal Siakam gave us a little bit of a throwback glimpse, glimpse to like uh Four, three months ago, I would say. Three months ago, we were championing him hard. Two months ago, do we? Yeah, maybe three is a little bit too long. Two months ago, we were truly championing Pascal Siakam in the MVP discussion. But ever since then, he's kind of been letting us down a little bit in MVP talk. He's still good. Don't get us wrong. We're not knocking him. But in MVP talk, he's kind of let us down a little bit. But here he is last night. 26 points. Led the team in scoring. Five assists. Led the team in assists. Ten rebounds. Second leading rebounder last night at 10 but overall all coming together on 50% shooting to help out last night also shout out to precious 21 points 9 rebounds and then Chris Boucher coming off the bench of 12 points 14 rebounds truly helping out a ton so Raptors digging in deep getting it done re Organizing the starting lineup to once again fit all the players that are out and they get the win in Philadelphia over this great 76ers team where Joel Embiid only 21 points last night on 30% shooting. He had 13 rebounds. James Harden 17 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. Classic James Harden game. Tyrese Maxey with 19 points as well, 4 assists, but unfortunately the other players cannot get it done. Tobias Harris, I mean this man has been so lackluster I mean like this man can't even be like the fourth scoring option that's all Tobias Harris had to be where he had to be before the trade like the number two number three option out here he can't play as the number fourth option five points on 22% shooting it's not going to get it done and then the bench letting us down we had Shake Milton no points Danny Green only three points last night DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench doing absolutely nothing George Niang with a nice 11 points but still somehow managed to be a minus 22 on the floor the worst by far so this bench who has once again been the most concerning thing of the 76ers team folks they've got no consistent reliable offensive producer or defensive production bench out here and uh, that speaks to coaching once again Doc Rivers what are we doing out here not getting the best out of these players we've seen George's Niang grow his entire career until he has gotten to Doc Rivers in Philadelphia so Shake Milton we've seen him be very very good getting nothing from him. Danny Green has always kind of been this, uh, this, I don't even know what to call it. Just kind of good, decent defender on a team, on a champion. The man's got all the rings in the world out here. Always able to find his role on championship winning teams, but he can't do it here in Philadelphia because of Doc Rivers. So this is big time concerning. I love James Harden and Joel Embiid together with Tyrese Maxey, but if Doc Rivers is not actively coaching this team, like we know he kind of doesn't for the most part, this 76ers team is going to run into trouble instantly in the playoffs and and that's, that's all you're going to hear about in the national media is how bad the 76ers are. And we will not be able to disagree with that because anything short than kind of a finals appearance is going to be considered... A, a, a bust, a bust season for the 76ers, so they must get it figured out, we must get it going off the bench here, or, uh, you know, losing to the Raptors, this is what you want to be known for, losing to the Raptors, well, keep playing around with this, <laughs> keep playing the way you're playing, and you'll be losing to the Raptors in the first round of the playoffs, potentially. All right, 
And then the last game of the night here, folks. So here we go. Uh, Spurs at the Warriors, and the Spurs get the win, folks, by 2, 1, 2, 110, 108, because of this right here, we get Jacob Podol at the free throw line, tied at 108 apiece with two seconds left, Jacob Podol with the chance to win the game at the free throw line with two seconds left here in regulation, he puts up the free throw, and it's no good, but, but, Andrew Wiggins crashes, and the, crashes the boards after the free throw miss, and the ball gets loosey-goosey, and Calden Johnson puts it right back up. 4-2 for the win right at the buzzer with .3 seconds left. So a missed free throw turns into a two-point layup for the win here at the free throw line, and the Warriors lose by 2, 110-108. So this Warriors team not being able to beat the Spurs, a little bit concerning here. Got to see this Warriors team return to their dominance. We've already gotten Draymond Green back. Klay Thompson's always been back. We know this. Uh, Steph Curry's been a little bit back ever since that kind of all-star break. He's been pretty solid ever since then. But this Warriors team still not being able to really kind of show their dominance, establish their dominance that we really kind of saw in the first half of the season before Draymond Green went out when the Warriors were kind of like the number two seed right next to kind of the Suns at the number one seed looking really good dominant splash brothers all that Steph Curry three all that but they have not really kind of been able to recapture that Splash Brothers ever since Clay Thompson's been back. They haven't been able to kind of recapture that great scoring magic, that great energetic magic that we all know the Warriors dynasty is known for. They have not been able to really capture that. And because of that, you know, we still don't have them in our top 10 here. And I don't know if um, I'm not really kind of gushing to put them in the top 10. So, you know, we'll see how this Warriors team progresses for the remainder of the regular season. But, you know, that I'm not in the top 10. I don't feel anything about it. Like, I don't watch this team. I'm like, wow, I got my time mixed up. I got my top 10 mixed up. I'm like, uh, like number 11. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, number 11, 12. Maybe number 10 in your power rankings. That's fine. You can make the argument. But, yeah, I, I'm not I, I'm not missing out. I don't feel like I'm being wrong. I don't feel like I'm being unfair by keeping them out of our top 10. So, they've still got work to do. This is not a classic, uh, you know, kind of Warriors team. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sorry about having them in the top 10. So, they lose by two last night. No Steph Curry last night, so Jordan Poole at the one, but put on a Curry-esque performance. 28 points on four of nine from the three. Three assists, five rebounds. We had Klay Thompson doing his Klay Thompson thing. Six of 12 from the three for 24 big old points. Andrew Wiggins, and he kind of let us down, you know, in that final free throw that was missed. We get Klay Thompson. It seems like he was in great predict. Uh, position to grab this rebound right here that was coming off the front of the rim but then Andrew Wiggins comes in aggressively behind him and kind of pops the ball free right into Kedlin Johnson's hand so once again Andrew Wiggins ever since we've given him the praise ever since that we told y'all he was uh, all-star caliber ever since he got uh, voted into that all-star game and we backed him up and we voiced our support and said no 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 y'all called it egregious outrageous and we were like no 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 this is true this man's been so great He's been 
undervalued over the last three years with this Warriors team. It's about time somebody recognizes him. And ever since that endorsement from us, this he had two good games after that. He had two good games after that. But then after that endorsement and then after those two good games, the man has been proving y'all right that he is not an all-star. So Andrew Wiggins has not been able to keep up this great level of play and has truly let us down 38% shooting last night. A little bit of a blunder there at the end of the game and they lose a little bit because of Andrew Wiggins. So we need this man back to his prime, back to his form. And I don't know how to get him there, but y'all must get him there very, very quickly. Or once again, this Warriors team is not going to be in our top 10 and we're not going to be kind of apologizing for it. So Andrew Wiggins, please, please get back to that greatness that we were able to see from you almost on a consistent, not greatness. I don't want to go greatness. Very, very goodness, folks. Very, very goodness out of Andrew Wiggins. Got to get back to that please please so Andrew Wiggins letting us down and then Otto Porter Jr. coming off the bench with a nice 16 point 16 rebound performance trying to help out unfortunately all for not and then for the Spurs last night, Keldon Johnson with that big-time game winner, 14.7 rebounds overall. Jacob Podol, 7 points, but 14 rebounds. But please hit your free throws. I mean, uh, you know, you should have won at the free throw line. Jacob Podol, please get it done. Oh, and also Andrew Wiggins missed a free throw. They would have been up by 1 at that point. End result still would have been the same. Warriors uh, losing because that two-point bucket still would have made them win by one. Uh, but Andrew Wiggins missed a free throw right before that. Split the free throws to make it only a one-point game. So, Andrew Wiggins, please, please get it together. You're truly kind of bumming me out. Please get it together. And uh, so back to the Spurs here. DeJounte Murray, 19 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. See, this man's been fantastic all year. Josh Primo, 11 points. Poto, like we said, the 14 points. Hit the free throws, please. And then Josh Richardson, 25 big old points coming off the bench, helping out tremendously for the Spurs to beat the Warriors on the road, 110-108. to Alrighty, that was all the NBA games from last night, but there are a little bit of NBA news we need to go over and not good news. This is all bad news. We've got three bad news stories coming up for three teams out here. So first team with bad news is the Warriors, the team that just lost. Not good here. James Wiseman, their big, their center that everybody's been waiting for to return. Uh, still a question mark. We still don't know if this man is good or bad. He's a big, so we hope the man would be good, but it, when he was healthy, he showed nothing gr good. So uh, it's still speculation whether this man would be good or bad, but got to get him out on the floor to once again see and see if they can once again develop him. And especially when you're playing with Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, it's going to be easy to get you to at least be good at bare minimum. But... But we'll never know because James Wiseman's return to the Warriors has been delayed due to a swelling in his right knee and his status is, quote, beyond uncertain. He's beyond uh, uncertain, folks, okay? It's like the beyond section in Bed Bath & Beyond. It's crazy. You go in there, you're in a whole different dimension. That's how uncertain he is. He's beyond uncertain, folks. Not what you want to hear entering the playoffs in the next couple of weeks. James Wiseman is not going to be returning to the Warriors probably this season. And the Warriors probably don't win the ring because they don't have a big good enough to get it done in a seven-game series. <clears throat> So, James Wiseman, beyond uncertain on his return. Yikes. 
Then we get this for the Pelicans. Your star's not coming back either. Here we go. Zion Williamson is not expected to return to the court this season as he continues to recover from foot surgery. That's not good either. We need, oh my God, folks, 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 like I'm telling y'all, with Zion Williamson on the court with Brandon Ingram, Valanchunas, and CJ McCollum, folks, that is a championship level squad right there, folks. Believe the words coming out of my mouth. They would be favorites to win the ring. I know that's probably not the most popular opinion on the national media, but we get this team with Zion's fantastic, folks. The man is an absolute force. The man has so much explosive athleticism. Yes, he's not the biggest big, but the man's beefy. He can use he can toss his beef around absolutely no problem. He's not the tallest, but the man has so much explosive athleticism that is so wild watching this man play. You would not expect this man to do half of the things he does by just looking at him. That's how much explosive athleticism that he has. And you pair that with Brandon Ingram. You compare that you pair that with Valanchunas, another good big, and then you get CJ McCollum outside scoring, facilitating the floor, helping it all kind of flow together. Yeah, this is a championship winning team. Yes, folks. So, unfortunate, we're not going to get that. So, we just get mediocre Pelicans instead of greatness, championship level caliber greatness. So, truly unfortunate there. But Zion Williamson is not expected to return the season, man. Oh, man. And then the final bad news here for a new team here. And uh, this one truly caught me off guard and made me sick to my stomach uh, because I thought we were close. We just read a story the other day on the show. Hey, we were kind of close. Not like uh, maybe like right at the end of the regular season or maybe kind of first round of the playoffs. But we thought he would be back at least for the playoffs. But now we're not even kind of getting that maybe. Because uh, we get this right here. Denver Nuggets head coach Michael Malone says Jamal Murray is, quote, not close to rejoining the lineup. He just got cleared for the D-League, but now he's, quote, not close of rejoining the starting or just the lineup. So we'll see how much he spends in the, you know, kind of G-League. We'll see if they even send him down to the G-League now and all that. But uh, Jamal Murray to this Nuggets team, he's everything to this Nuggets team. They need him back. They need, joking, need some help. We just saw that getting blown out to the Celtics. The Nuggets need one other star here. We would love Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, absolutely, he can get it done. But having Jamal Murray, man, oh man, we've seen what he's able to do in a playoff setting, folks. It's absolutely spectacular, folks, spectacular. Once again, going back to the bubble, him and Donovan Mitchell kind of going for 30 points every other playoff game and that was kind of who won the game whoever put up the 30 40 point per point performance between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. That was absolutely fantastic them going back and forth and uh, you know we don't get to see that anymore because Donovan Mitchell or yeah Don Jamal Murray excuse me is no longer healthy. So we get Zion no good to go, Jamal Murray no good to go and James Wiseman, all not good to go. So, teams heading into the playoffs, not good news for them. Not good news for them. And truly kind of annoying for me as well because I want to see these great players out there. I want to see the greatness. Y'all know we love the greatness. We want to see the best of the best go against the best of the best every single game. And not having Zion, not having Jamal Murray, we're not getting the best of the best of those teams.
Alrighty, that is all the stories I wanted to touch upon quickly. So now let's, before we, tr oh, well, you still got to bet the NBA. Man, oh man, we are going late today on the show. What else is new? Uh, so definitely not going to be able to watch Russell Wilson today, but we will still be able to talk about that Urban Meyer headline. Um, but uh, right before we bet on the NBA tonight, let's quickly read, uh, let's really, really quickly, quickly talk about the playoff standings currently. So here we go. What had been shaking up over the last few days? We get the Heat. Well, let's start with the Eastern Conference. We get the Heat at the one. Uh, Bucks at the two seed. 76ers at the three seed. But the biggest improvement so far is the Celtics at the four seed. And I am absolutely loving it. And what's better about the Celtics being the four seed? That now the Bulls are the fifth seed. So in the first round playoffs, if the playoffs ended today, we would get the Celtics versus the Bulls in the first round of the playoffs. And that I would absolutely love to see because the Celtics would sweep them for nothing. And we would stop being able to talk about the Bulls, which is probably good at this point. Truly over the polls, folks. But the Celtics can potentially, the Celtics can still reach the number one seed. They're only three and a half games back. But the Celtics are really only one game back from being the second seed. So this Celtics team can still climb highly in the conference standings here. So once again, this Celtics team is showing no signs of slowing down. And, uh, you know, we can expect this team as the number one or the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. They're working their way up. Then we get the Cavs at the sixth seed. And then in the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference, we get the Raptors at the seven, Nets at the eight, Hornets at the nine, and the Hawks at the 10th seed. Now, these uh, no, these seven through 10 seeds look to be maybe kind of secure because the Hawks have a nice four and a half game lead from the 11th seed. So yeah, the Wizards can still get in the play-in tournament. Yes, the Knicks can still get in the play-in tournament. They're five games back. It's going to take a lot, so I don't see that happening. So Hawks versus Hornets, I you know we just saw that play out. Hornets win it. Raptors versus Nets, that's going to be a little bit competitive. But uh, yeah, I, you know this playing tournament in the Eastern Conference should be pretty good. Nets probably get in the playoffs, however you slice it. So Raptors, Hornets, Hawks, all kind of probably fighting fighting for that last seed, and we'll see who grabs it. Um, Hawks don't deserve it. Raptors or the Hornets, I would say both those teams deserve a chance in the playoffs. Uh, and we'll see who goes out and grabs it. But man, oh man, the Celtics. Celtics team potentially being the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. That's what I'm here for. Absolutely. And then in the Western Conference, we got the Suns at the one seed. Grizzlies at the two seed. And it seems like the Suns have wrapped up the number one seed here. The Grizzlies are nine games back from the two seed of becoming the one seed, folks. It's crazy. Uh, we get the Warriors at the third seed now. Grizzlies overtaking them. We get the Jazz at the fourth seed. The Mavericks at the fifth seed. But this is the one big movement here I love. The Timberwolves are now the sixth seed in the Western Conference, overtaking the Nuggets now. Timberwolves in the playoffs. Nuggets now in the play-in tournament. They would have to face the Clippers in the first round of the play-in tournament, and I would definitely see them winning for a playoff spot. Uh, and then we get the Pelicans at number nine. Love seeing them. And the Lakers at number 10. So, really want to see this Pelicans team try to get in the playoffs. See what they can do when they're healthy. Obviously, no Zion. But Brandon Ingram healthy back. CJ McCollum and Valanchunas. I would love to see that in the playoffs. If the Pelicans do get in the playoffs, it would be at the A seed. And they'd have to face the Phoenix Suns round one. And that's going to be a GG for the Suns, obviously. But the Pelicans at least having that chance. Yeah, I'm all here for it. 
Uh, so, Lakers, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not good by them. Potentially, the Spurs can get in the play-in tournament as well. They're only about three and a half games back from trying to overtake the Pelicans or the Lakers. Pelicans and the Lakers at the 9-10 and 10 seed both have the same record. <coughs> But we'll see how it all plays out when we kind of play out the last final 10. What do we got? 10-ish games? Yeah, about 10-ish games left. So, um, that's the current standings here. Shout out to the Timberwolves for getting into the playoffs. And shout out to the Celtics of potentially climbing to the number two seed. Love everything about all of that. And uh, once again, we will walk through the playoff schedule um, once the regular season has officially wrapped up before the playing tournament games play. We'll walk through the entire thing. Then after the playing tournament games, we'll do it again. And, uh, you know, then we'll get ready for the playoffs and all that. All right, and then finally, in the NBA here, let's see what we have on tap tonight in the NBA betting-wise. We have not bet the NBA in a four days, five days here, folks, so hopefully we're not a little rusty. Hopefully Vegas is still giving us disrespectful value, and hopefully we still know how to how to decipher NBA value. We've been getting caught up so much in NCAA March Madness uh, value and spreads and all that. Hopefully we didn't lose everything we learned so far in the NBA. So let's go through it quickly. How can we all make a little bit of money here tonight in the NBA? First game up, we got the Lakers at the Cavs. Lakers plus five, Cavs minus five. All right, for the Lakers, LeBron, game time decision. Anthony Davis is still out. Taylor Horton Tucker is a game time decision as well. For the Cavs, we get everybody's good to go besides Jared Allen. So I get Karasilver, I get Darius Garland and all that. We get Evan Mobley at the five, filling in absolutely tremendously against the Lakers team. No brainer. That's something that we definitely did not lose while watching college basketball. We still don't bet the Lakers. There's still no betability there. Cavs minus the five, ready to bet them. Yes, sir. Evan Mobley, go get it done at the big position. Go lock down LeBron as best as you can, and Darius Garland will manage the rest. I'll swallow the five here with the Cavs. All right, then we get the Pelicans at the Hornets. Pelicans plus six, Hornets minus six. All right, this Hornets team has been fantastic the last few games. Four-game winning streak. This is the team that Vegas, if once again, you remember about a month, month and a half ago, Vegas was trying to give Hornets some respectable as heck of value. Can't remember the true terms, but I'm sure y'all know what we were talking about here because it was so egregious. I'm sure it stands out in everybody's mind. Uh, but this is the team Vegas always knew the Hornets could be be folks I know Vegas is gushing and smiling able to make this spread Hornets minus six they love this folks I know they do um so, for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram is still out. So, we have to stay away from it. We can't even take the plus six here. Plus, the Hornets are on the back-to-back, -back, so we still have to stay away from it. Uh, and then, everybody's going to go for the Hornets as well. So, Hornets, go do your thing. Go keep winning games here. Can't knock it. We got to stay away from this one because the Pelicans are on the back-to-back. All right, then we get the Blazers at the Pistons. Blazers on the back-to-back, -back, so we stay away from that one. Heat at the 76ers. 76ers on the back-to-back. -back. We got to stay away from this one. Heat minus 2.5. Uh, 76ers plus 2.5 here. Who's all good to go for the Heat? Jimmy Butler, game-time decision. Victor Lodipo back to out. <laughs> man just got back, and now the man's out. Um, for the 76ers, everybody's good to go. I'm surprised everybody's playing for the 76ers, probably because they got beat last night. Uh, but we got to stay away from it. It's a back-to-back. -back. We did not forget that rule. Yes, we bet on March Madness, but we still don't bet back-to-backs in the NBA. 
All right, then we get the Jazz at the Nets. Nets at home, so Kyrie can't play. Jazz on the back-to-back. -back. Jazz just played last night. Yes, they did. So, got to stay away from this one. They're still at MSG. So, you know, once again, probably did not, um, uh, you know, lose any travel. They probably just stayed in New York. But staying away from it regardless. Then we get the Raptors at the Bulls. Raptors on the back-to-back. -back. We stay away from this one. Raptors plus four and a half. Man, oh man, do we break our rule here? Uh, man, is Fred Van Vliet good to go? He's a game-time decision. Mm, Gary Trent Jr. is out, though. So, yeah, got to stay away from this one. Um, all right. Everybody's good to go for the Bulls besides Alonzo Ball. Um, but got to stay away from it. Then we get the Celtics at the Thunder. Both teams on the back-to-back. -back. Celtics minus 15. Jeez Louise. Uh, then we get the Wizards at the Rockets. Rockets, everybody on the back-to-back. -back. What the hell is going on here? Rockets on the back-to-back. -back. We stay away from it. Also, the Rockets are trash. We wouldn't bet this game regardless. And then the last game of the night. Thank goodness. No. Is this Timberwolves on the back-to-back? -back? No. Thank goodness. All right. Here we go. Finally, another game we could potentially bet on. Timberwolves at the Mavericks. Timberwolves plus two and a half. Mavericks minus two and a half. Carl Anthony Towns is a game time decision for the Mavericks. Davis Bertans is a game time decision as well. All right. Mavericks with that heavy three point assault that they have hasn't worked out for them in the last two games. They've dropped the last two one against the Hornets, one against the 76 or so. Some of these playoff caliber teams, the Mavericks have not been able to beat. But with Carl Anthony Towns being a game time decision, we can't take the two and a half here at the current moment. Let's check NBA Fantasy Labs. We get any information. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is expected to play there, looking good to go. We get any information on our man Carl Anthony Towns, and we do not. We do not. Unfortunate. So, got to stay away from this one. I'm expecting the Mavericks to pick it up at any point here, so I think it's just better to stay away from this one. Uh, Timberwolves, they're great. Just moved to that sixth seed. Potentially no Carl Anthony Towns, but the Mavericks dropping the ball in their last two. They're going to click it at some point. That's been the Mavericks' MO this entire year. They click it on, and it stays on for a pretty solid kind of consistent three, four, five-game stretch. So we'll stay away from betting this one. So we'll ease our way back into betting the NBA tonight. Cavs minus five, best bet of the day because they're facing the Lakers, folks. Easy money right there. All righty. That is all the NBA we had to get out of the way. So now let's shift gears to the NFL where we will only be able to kind of talk about stories today. Won't be able to get into the Russell Wilson stuff. Have to spend a lot of time on that. Don't want to break it up in between some days here. Um, would like to get it all in one shot. We'll see if we're able to do so. If we're not, then we'll split it up into multiple days. But even with today, we don't have enough time for really anything because this one story I do want to spend time on. But before we get to that one story, there's two other mini stories to talk about as well. And these mini stories are offensive linemen signings. And the first one up is the best news for Bengals fans out here. The Bengals are signing former Cowboys offensive tackle, Lyle Collins. And obviously that's music to the Bengals fans ears out here. Because what was the worst thing about the Bengals all year long? Their offensive line, Joe Burrow. Although he wasn't able to escape all that pressure for the most part, you still don't want your franchise guy running around for his life every single down, especially since he came off that big time surgery just last season. So Bengals getting offensive line help here, really the only need that they needed filled. Um, you know, they got to the Super Bowl. Everything's looking go good. Joe Burrow's fantastic. You just need to make sure he's healthy and out there and the Bengals are doing everything in their power to secure that. So a huge, great signing here by the Bengals shoring up their offensive line. Absolutely love it. 
And then the Bengals, or and then the Patriots re-signing offensive tackle Trent Brown, once again helping out a, 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 a younger quarterback and Mac Jones, obviously not as good as Joe Burrow, but you know, uh, protecting your quarterback is probably always the smartest solution. So, Patriots re-signing offensive tackle Trent Brown, Lyle Collins off the market, so once again, free agency, you know, go and spend while you still have the chance, but offensive linemen are kind of being eaten up here. We've seen a lot of receivers go, so that begs the question, what free agents are still out there? And here we go. This is the list of some of the bigger names. We get Tyron Matthew, the safety. Man, oh man, really want him at the, at the Dolphins, but wherever he goes, can't wait to watch Tyron Matthew again get it going uh, and really kind of being the champion safety defending captain that we all know that he is. So Tyron Matthew still good available. <laughs> Available to go, folks. OBJ, still available. We get Teron Armstead, still available. And is it is Teron Armstead, Armstead, is this man an offensive lineman? Let me quickly double-check this. Teron Armstead. What do we got? Yeah, offensive tackle. So, yeah, we just talked about two offensive tackles being taken off the board, but there's still one here. So, safety, defense, Tyron Matthew, wide receiver, OBJ, offensive lineman, Teron Armstead, defensive back, Bobby Wagner, Defensive backs, Stephon Gilmore, pass rusher, Jadavion Clowney, Akeem Hicks, Melvin Ingram, pass rushers, Landon Collins, folks, Julio Jones, another receiver, Antonio Brown, another receiver, a tight end, tight end university, respect the tight ends, folks, Rob Gronkowski. So, yes, there's been a lot of wide receivers, offensive linemen, defensive backs, safeties, all taken, edge rushers, Khalil Mack, all being taken, but there are still big names out here. Here, folks, these are big names still. These maybe even like discounted big names because all the big, big names truly got taken off the board. But Tyron Matthew, OBJ, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, if you want to take the risk there, Jadavion Clowney, Stephon Gilmore, Bobby Wagner. There's names here, folks. So if your team didn't do anything kind of the first week of free agency, week two of free agency, there's still big names, key names, great names to take advantage of. So don't get discouraged. Teams still go out there and spend, spend, spend names out there to be acquired. We'll see which name is taken off the board next. So, names available, folks. Players available to be taken. We'll see who gets taken next. Tell your team to stop snoozing. My Dolphins are kind of snoozing out here. Go and get Tyron Matthew. And uh, we get any breaking news here now that we, you know, kind of free agency kicking back off here on the Monday. Obviously, you can sign whenever, but, you know, Monday, May news, all of that. And it does not seem, oh, wow, uh, Colts could be getting Matt Ryan. That's kind of the buzz right now. The Falcons and Colts are in talks on a trade that will send quarterback Matt Ryan to the Colts, and I love that. He's got to move off of Atlanta. It's not working there anymore. It didn't work last season with the new head coach. I don't see it getting any better. They're still rocking with Cordell Patterson, and no disrespect to Cordell Patterson, but we got Debo Samuel now, so why, why, why do we need Cordell Patterson? Go out and get the new Cordell Patterson. We don't want a Cordell Patterson that finally got it going like eight years into the league, folks. A little bit too little, too late to count this man as like a, a face of the franchise 
tool your entire offense around. So I don't love the direction offensively the Falcons are heading in. So yeah, let Matt Ryan try to do something. He's got great stats, a little bit of a Kirk Cousins in that aspect, a little bit of an enigma where he's got great stats, but the wins are definitely not there. Matt Ryan's a little bit like that. So you go to the Colts with the quarterback plug and play away. Maybe he could finally bring the Colts over the top here, or hopefully he's not another kind of bust like Phillip Rivers, like Captain Carson Wentz. So, um, yeah, if that goes through, I'm actually all about that. I'm all about that. I don't know what the Falcons do at quarterback at that point, but yeah, if you get Matt Ryan to the Colts, I think I'm rocking with that. So that's kind of the newest news. No other free agency news at the current moment, but that is the big news potentially breaking today, potentially breaking soon, Matt Ryan to the Colts, which I am absolutely all here for. Alrighty, but before we close out the show here, let's get to this story because this is going to be fun, folks. This is going to be a good one because we get to knock this man right here. And once again, we only knock people that deserve to be knocked. And I think we can all agree this man deserved to be knocked a little bit, a lot of bit. But we'll try to keep it in check where we're not disrespectful. Uh, we'll try not to cross that line. Uh, so here we go, folks. This story, if you haven't heard it, it's making its circles around social media, the national media and all that. And... Oof, man, oh, man, I love it. It's music to my ears because if you're going to treat people like the way that this man treated, then you deserve to get treated just the same way. Treat others the way you want to be treated, and nobody wants to be disrespected. Nobody wants to be questioned on anything, especially your credentials that got you to kind of the highest of your field. There's no other uh, higher sports competition than the NFL. So if you are in the NFL, your, your credentials really should never have to be challenged. And this man, we all know. No, he was challenging everybody's credentials, and I think we're going to get a little bit more in this story. So the big story going around today, former Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer was unfamiliar with star players around the NFL, including Debo Samuel and Aaron Donald. He has been heard saying, quote, who's this 99 guy on the Rams? Meyer has asked during the season. Who's this 99 guy on the Rams? Who's this 99 guy that just got to the Super Bowl that just kind of pointed to his ring? Why is he kind of pointing to his ring finger without any rings? That's probably what Urban Meyer was saying before he won the ring. What, remember, what was that? The uh, NFC uh, uh, NFC Championship game, something like that. Aaron Donald pointing to the finger, I think, after he sacked. J Jimmy Garoppolo on the final play, whatever it was, points to the finger like, where my ring? Urban Meyer's like, oh, yeah, like, what, what is this guy talking about? Where's your ring? You don't got the ring yet. Why are you talking about potentially getting a ring? You haven't gotten the ring yet? Why are you pointing to the ring finger? Why are you doing that yet? You haven't gotten the ring. Why are you Why are you kind of expecting to get a ring? What have you done to expect to get a ring yet? Well, Urban Meyer, I know you were good at college, but while you were good at college, Aaron Donald was wrecking havoc on everybody in the league. That's who 99 is. He's a game wrecker. He wrecks havoc on the entire game. And what just won this season? 99. He just got a ring while your ass was fired. Uh, so who are you? What are your credentials? One, two wins with the Jaguars. Congratulations, Urban. So... <coughs> We got an entire article here of Urban Meyer, people coming out about Urban Meyer, about what he was doing. 
with the Jags. We've already gotten a lot of stuff, uh, you know, heard a lot of stuff, talked about him, you know, when he was fired and a lot of stuff, you know, leaking out, obviously the biggest, you know, questioning everybody's credentials, you know, putting everybody down every second. He was physically kicking like the kickers and stuff. Um, just stuff that no leader should be doing. Um, you know, really at all. You, you should not be verbally assaulting any of your staff, even if they are trash. Even if you know your staff is trash and all that, that's not how you get the best out of people. You don't uh, diminish them. You don't harp on all their failures to get the best out of them. Yes, that works in some settings like uh, MMA, where you're literally punching people in the mouth, like making them bleed. Football's a little, a little bit different. Yes, you're still kind of quote-unquote punching them in the mouth with your pads and all that, but fighting an NFL I think are a little bit different. You're locked in a cage. You're locked in a cage. You have to get kind of, you know, permission to fight. You must, um, you know, that that's why you can fight in the cage and only the ring in the cage because if you fight anywhere outside that, it's illegal and you get arrested. You can only fight in this one designated area. Football's a little bit different. I can go out and, you know, play football whenever I want. I'm not restricted to only playing football in a field because outside the field, it's illegal. Now, now, granted, Aaron Donald should be illegal. The man should not be able to do anything outside of anything because the the man is so great. Urban, once again, a little bit of a uh, a news flash for you. Urban Meyer, Aaron Donald is so good that he, he, his entire body should be kind of like boxers' hands are legalized weapons. Uh, Aaron Donald, his entire body should be a legalized weapon. He should have security wherever he is at all times because everything about him is a legalized weapon. He touches somebody. That, that's enough force to potentially kill somebody, folks. That's who number number 99 is, Urban Meyer. But we've got the whole article here, folks. We've got the entire article, The Atlantic, putting it behind a paywall. So spend the dollar. But if, yeah, we're not incriminating ourselves. But here we go. We've got the article. Did we spend the dollar? I plead the fifth, okay? Uh, so, The Athletic here runs this article. We've got the entire article. Want to go through the entire article to truly see what this man was doing. Uh, because, once again, the man really had no place to be in the NFL. Just because you're good at the college system does not mean you would make a good NFL head coach. Uh, so the Jaguars give him a chance. Um, I wasn't opposed to the chance um, at the beginning. I didn't love that he was out of the game for so long, and the fact that you know why he left Ohio State in the first place because was because of medical conditions. Because he was getting so upset coaching, he was putting so much energy coaching wise in the college program, and it just never made sense to me. Why would you go to more stress in the NFL if your health was that big of concern? So I didn't. Get the hire at the beginning. I didn't hate, I didn't knock the hire because he did have success in the college program. We did take everything with a grain of salt because we did see what Nick Saban did from the college of the NFL program. Nothing. So, you know, we still kept that big old grain of salt with Urban Meyer. And then once we saw Tim Tebow, we were instantly out because what are you doing? You don't know how to judge talent. You're bringing in your friends. You're showing nepotism. You're showing unfavorability to a room of players, grown men that need your respect to make anything work. Your your players must respect your head coach. Do the Rams players respect Sean McVay? Yeah, I'm sure they do because they just want to ring, folks. 
So you need that aspect on your team. And Urban Meyer, since day one of getting the Jags job of bringing in Tim Tebow, we knew all that was out the window. So let's see what Urban Meyer is all about, what this man is truly all about. Is this man a good coach or not? Should he have gotten a job? Let's see what he did here in this Jaguars team. And the uh, headline of this article is, quote, the most toxic environment I've ever been a part of inside Urban Meyer's disastrous year with the Jags. Here we go, folks. Urban Meyer burst into a room full of players at the Jaguars facility. He was furious. One of his players had missed an assignment during a preseason game, leading to a busted play. Meyer was enraged when it happened. A day later, he was still fuming. If the mistake ever happened again, Meyer, were, Meyer warned he would cut every single one of them. Quote, and do you know what would happen if I cut you guys? Meyer said, according to four people in the room you couldn't get a job paying more than $15 an hour you couldn't get a job paying more than $15 an hour once again Urban Meyer using these kind of uh, uh, strong man tactics from the college program and then continuing that in the NFL once again all this is not going to work with grown men it works with kids oh my god oh my god if I if I don't play football if I don't make it to the NFL if I don't do good you know I, I'm only going to be getting a $15 an hour job you can use that in college because that's a little bit more close these people are millionaires already. Hopefully, most of them are smart with their money. We don't know. But, uh, you know, even if they don't get another NFL job, they should be able to be comfortable for the rest of their lives. So, Urban Meyer, oh, if you make this mistake again, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get a job paying $15 an hour. You couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. All right, real intimidating, Urban Meyer. Real intimidating. Like, if somebody said that to you, like a grown man, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Don't, don't come to me like that. Like, I'm a child. So, Urban Meyer, right off the rip. <laughs> right off the rip. So mad. Because, and once again, I don't care if it was preseason. You know, you use preseason to gauge to get better. So, if, you know, coaches want to kind of make an example out of, you know, a preseason play or get upset over a preseason play. And once again, I don't care about coaches getting upset. Of course, coaches are going to get upset. That's part of the gig. That's part of the gig, part of the job. Holding your players accountable, showing that, you know, you, you know, if the player, you know, misses an assignment or takes a day uh, play off, you know, that does, you know, jeopardize the entire team, jeopardize the entire game and potentially the entire season based off one play. So, I don't mind Ermeyer getting mad over one play. Getting mad the next day, that's where you had the issue. I mean, in a, in a loss, folks, what do they say? You know, we, 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 we'll think about it today, and then we move on tomorrow. Even in a win, hey, you know, we'll celebrate the win right now, but we move on tomorrow. Like, you got to move on. You got to, you know, put it behind you. You put all the plays all the bad plays behind you. So that's where I really have the problem with Urban Meyer. I mean, you're supposed to move on over the next day, not still harp and harp and harp. How are players supposed to learn and get better and move on if you're not moving on? So two strikes off of Urban Meyer right here. Once again, threatening $15 an hour jobs. You're not even getting the $15 an hour, an hour jobs. That's not going to work with grown men. And second of all, harping when you're supposed to be moving on. So two strikes off of Urban Meyer right off the rip. Two things I would never do if I was a coach right there off the rip on the first paragraph, the first quote. So I think we're in for a treat here. Yes, folks? Should we keep track too? Bad things Urban Meyer has done. Uh, some things we can get, you know, kind of, okay, maybe some people don't like, you know, people that don't come from sports or competition, oh, they don't understand or anything like that. But yeah, those are two right there. Those are two things, two big X's on Urban Meyer we cannot excuse. <laughs> so let's keep on going here. <clears throat> Uh, the implication that his players were capable of a little more than playing football left some angry. Others offended, saying, quote, I lost all respect for him after that, a veteran player in the room said. <clears throat> 
Yeah, once again, just that that aspect. I didn't even think of that. You know, Urban Meyer, you know, oh, you, you're only good at football. Once again, the shut up and dribble crowd. Oh, you're only out there because you're good at football. That Okay, folks, okay. Uh, you know, people are deeper than their sport and all that. You're deeper than your job, so please spare me by throwing those insults at people. It doesn't work as much as y'all think it does. Oh, you guys can only play basketball. Y'all are only good at football. And what are y'all good at? Y'all got a mediocre job. What are y'all talking about? It's just so funny how how superior people talk about themselves at sometimes. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so, yeah, even that, yeah, respect, respect. These are grown men. These are not college-age men, uh, men uh, I call them men, guys becoming men, men, whatever you want to call them. These are not college-age men. These are grown, true grown men out here. It's not going to work on them, Urban. The fact that this man took the job and was confident taking this job I still is still brain-scratching, folks. Back, uh, here we go, continuing on. Meyer arrived in Jacksonville with a mixed resume. He'd won national championships at Florida and Ohio State, but he brought plenty of baggage, ranging from harsh treatment of players and staff to mishandling domestic abuse allegations levied against one of the longest-tenured assistants, Zach Smith. Friends and family over the years have labeled Meyer a control freak and perfectionist and as he climbed the ranks, he developed a reputation as a tough, obsessive, win-at-all-cost coach who, by his own admission, was, quote, addicted to victory. But according to coaches, players, and staff in Jacksonville, Meyer crossed the line from tough to and demanding to the belittling, belittling demeaning and leading by fear. And yeah, once again, it is a fine line. You can be obsessing, you know, winning, you know, once again... Uh, you know, a big thing that I don't like is how people talk about winning. Winning, uh, you know, means different things to different people. It, it, it means more inside people like uh, competition drives me, folks. I love competition, but I keep it in check. We all know, you know, the people that love competition are and are annoying at it or love competition and are not annoying at it. There is a difference between the two. So, yes, you can love competition, but you still can't cross that fine, fine line. You can be win obsessed. You can be addicted to winning. That, that is all fine. And I would always stand up for the people that claim they are addicted to winning. That is fine. I completely agree with that. But to cross that line into disrespect, that's where, you know, you have to keep your own emotions in check. You can have your own emotions. That's fine. But you can't, you know, once your emotions start affecting others, that's when you have to kind of, you know, look in within words and figure it out and kind of change it so it doesn't kind of overspill outside into that disrespectful realm. So he had to rein it in and all that, and he never reined it in, and then always used the excuse of, well, I'm just addicted to winning. Well, that's fine, but that's not going to be an excuse. You can't make that as an excuse. You can be addicted to it. That's fine, but you must be able to control the addiction. That's why we send you to AA when the addiction gets out of control. It's all right to have a little bit of an addiction, I would say. I don't think addiction is all bad, uh, but you need to keep it in check absolutely 100%. Herb Meyer never did that, but then always use, oh, well, I'm just addicted. That's just my personality. I'm just addicted to it. Oh, I can't change. I can't change. Well, that's just a cop out and excuse and that I don't respect. I will never respect that. So Urban Meyer right there um, using, oh, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, addicted to winning. I'm going to count that as a mark against him as well. You can't just use that as an excuse. I'm addicted to winning for being an asshole. <laughs> All right, what else do we get here? Quote, the most toxic environment I've ever been a part of, a veteran member of the football operations staff said, quote, by far not even close. Oof. 
receiver DJ Chark, who signed with the Lions last week after spending the first four years of his career with the Jaguars, said Meyer routinely threatened to fire coaches and cut players. Quote, he feels like threats are what motivates. Exactly that. It's different from college players to regular grown men or just people in general. Yeah, maybe some grown men will kind of react to that. Once again, the, 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 the fire that you need in you to kind of play MMA or football, they are different, but overall, there is an extra motivation in physical sports. So I get kind of the physical motivation and all that. And, you know, coaches yelling at people or just kind of being like, all right, I know you can do better. You got it next time. All right, you know, all right, shake it off. Do it next time better. There are different ways of coaching, just like there's different ways of learning, different ways of teaching. There are different ways of coaching and, you know, kind of kicking people in the ass that does, you know, kind of work. That does work. There are there are a group of people that that works for them. You need to kick them in the ass to get the better out of them. That does work, but that doesn't work with anybody. That does not work with me. That did not work with me, folks. Um, that's probably why I'm not playing football at the current moment or maybe I'm just not that good I wasn't that good, uh, that good but maybe if I was motivated right maybe that happens maybe who knows who knows we don't dwell in the past I could care less um is it a regret yeah maybe but we digress here um but yeah I mean people respond differently to how you coach them so you must that's the job of the coach find out how really kind of everybody on your team needs to be coached and coach them that's that's specific particular way like what a good teacher makes he knows how to teach all of his students he knows how to give the help that the students need whether it's just telling them the answer or leading them to the answer that's the teacher's job of how the kids learn how the students learn he must individualize we always talk about the education system of oh my god you got 30 students to one teacher how could that even work how can that one teacher take responsibility for all those students well if you want to be a good teacher you're gonna to have to do that because that's what it entails that's what coach that's what teaching entails. Once again, coaching. What do we knock uh, Adam Gase for? Trying to fit everybody into one scheme. No, that's not how you do it. What do your players do good? Then fit the scheme around that. Same thing with coaching. How do your coaches want to be coached? Then tool your coaching around that. And so far in the Jaguars, nobody was responding to the $15 an hour threats. Nobody was kind of, you know, buying into the, hey, I'm going to cut you threats. Nobody was, uh, you know, buying into, hey, what's your resume? check and anything like that so everything Urban Meyer was doing was wrong and the players were kind of showing that with dis, uh, distrust in him and he never finished it he never changed it and then he fell back on the excuse of oh well I'm just addicted to winning so exactly that folks Urban Meyer he's not a good guy he's not a good coach and we're done with the man absolutely so let's keep going here what else do we got <clears throat> um yep yeah, we read that um yep yeah, here we go back to the quote Quote by DJ Chark on Urban Meyer says, quote, he feels like threats are what motivates. I know he would come up to us and tell us if the receivers weren't good enough, he wasn't going to fire us. He was going to fire our coach. He would usually say that when the coach was around. Wow, oh, wow. Be like, damn, I'm if y'all are so trash, I'm firing the coach. I'm going to hit you where it hurts. I'm going to fire the coach. And then the coach is standing there like, I'm not the one out there telling them. That's the players. You got the coaches after selling the, the players under the bus. Don't fire me. Fire them. Cut them. No, not me. So, Urban Meyer, just uh, straight up asshole everywhere, folks. Straight up asshole. 
Continuing on, kicker Josh Lambeau said last year Meyer kicked him during warm-ups, a fact Meyer's lawyers repeatedly conceded to Rick Strauss, the reporter who broke the story for the Tampa Bay Times. Lambeau believed Meyer's kick was an act of, quote, intimidation, a theme echoed by several people in the organization. One player described the year with Meyer as, quote, mentally exhausting. That's what you want your players thinking? Mentally exhaustion when they're talking about their coach, folks. That's the last thing. We need everybody sharp. Everybody's got to be mentally sharp. That's why they tell you to tune out all the distractions. Well, you know, at the start of the football season, this is your family. This is the most important thing. Football right here. Everything else is a distraction because they know if the slightest distraction arises on any of the players, it's a wrap for the entire locker room. So your own coach was making, <laughs> making that big drastic mistake there of bringing his influence, t knocking off everybody on their game, distracting everybody off of their game was the head coach, folks, not any other outside influence. That's the big problem right there. All right. <clears throat> the, uh, Jaguars replaced Meyer with former Super Bowl winning head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, hey, the Jaguars replaced Meyer with former Super Bowl winning head coach Doug Peterson in early February, but some who experienced Meyer's brand of leadership want a fuller public accounting of his tenure. Meyer's attorney said his client would not comment for the story. Doug Peterson? I didn't do Doug Peterson, right? How, uh, the, uh, the Jaguars head coach is not named Doug Peterson either, right? What the hell is that? Y'all got me wanting to subscribe to your article and you're not. Oh, he did go there. Oh, I'm bugging. Why? I've, I forgot all about that, folks. All the all the news here, free agent news, I forgot Doug Peterson is now the head coach. I forgot the interim coach. Obviously, it was not Doug Peterson. They hire him after. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, but, yeah, Doug Peterson with Trevor Lawrence, that should be fantastic. Uh, yeah, Doug Peterson. We love Doug Peterson. We forgot that. Man, oh, man, there's so much information, folks. Man, oh, man. NFL's going crazy this year, folks. Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Doug Peterson now on the Jaguars. Uh, the league is upside down, folks. Uh, Derek Carr reunited with Devontae Adams. How crazy. All right, but here we go. Continuing on in the article. Signs of dysfunction were apparently early on. Several sources said Meyer stepped into the job as if he had all the answers, even though he had never coached in the NFL. Well, that's another strike. Thinking you know everything because you were good at college? I mean, do you not understand? Have you not seen college players bust a la Ryan Leaf? Have you not seen college coaches bust a la Urban Meyer? And this man had the gall to come in thinking he knew everything about everything? Another strike on Urban Meyer. Up to four, four big old battle strikes. Uh, do we do five because we didn't count the uh, kicking the the kicker, kicking the kicker, kicking the ball? Um, that should have been a political cartoon. Uh, Hermeyer kicking Josh Lambeau, who's kicking a football. You know that'd be funny. All right, but yeah, that's what we got. Five strikes already on Hermeyer. We're thirty percent into the article. It says. All right, but continuing on, Meyer said he conducted a six-month deep dive on the NFL that included interviews with his former Florida and Ohio State players, as well as a study of the salary cap. But multiple sources said Meyer was unfamiliar with star players around the league, including 49 receivers Debo Samuel, Seahawks safety Jamal Adams, and Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald, a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. 
Quote, who's this 99 guy on the Rams? Meyer asked one staffer during the season, according to a source. Says, quote, I'm hearing he might be a problem for us. Yeah. But was he saying it goofingly? Like, hey, who's this 99 guy? You're like, ironically? Um, so we don't get that. Okay, we won't hold that against Urban Meyer. Could have been just being Smurfy. We know Urban Meyer's a maniac. Maybe that's his sign of Smurfiness. Hey, who's that guy? Oh, bup, bup. And that takes it on too long. Like, doesn't know when the joke to end. And then, like, two years later, he's like, oh, I still didn't even know who, uh, who Aaron Donald was. Like, we don't know if that's Urban Meyer. So, we won't that count that against him. It is funny, though. Uh, continuing on with the article, in his first staff meeting, Meyer criticized the way NFL teams operate, noting specifically that coaches failed to take proper care of players' health. And then, according to multiple sources in the meeting, Meyer said, quote, I hate scouts. Scouts are lazy. It was an especially jarring comment, given the scouts were also in the room. So this man... <clears throat> openly criticizing everybody because he's so superior in his own self folks that's that's why you criticize others because you know you feel like you're so higher you're so mightier than all of them so you have no problem disrespecting everybody right in front of their face and a little bit of a pussy way to do it as well like uh well i guess not like telling it to their face but he's not telling it to their face he's saying it in an open forum not verbally or kind of eye contact with them he's not saying it to them he's saying it around them like, hey, please question me right now. I dare you. Like, this is a pussy move by Urban Meyer all around, folks, honestly. Um, so continuing on here. Chark said, the year began with optimism. Jacksonville's player turned out in high number for voluntary workouts, eager for the new season or under Meyer, but says, quote, but the way he was running the ship, it was impossible to succeed. In training camp, Meyer pushed for live contract drills despite objections from veteran coaches. One of those drills fell on what Meyer called, quote, winner and loser days. Two players would compete. And one winner, and the winner would be announced over the loudspeaker. After one blocking drill, Meyer insisted Chark do extra reps. The re the receiver suffered a broken finger, underwent surgery, and missed a preseason. So, yeah, that's probably not the best thing to do. You know, hey, losers do extra reps, anything like that, extra uh, time for injuries, extra activities for injuries that's why players don't love doing pads throughout the regular season because of the injuries and they just got off the game and all that for the winner and loser days having the names of the winners be announced over the loudspeaker I don't mind that competition all that you know it, it can be very well done and all in good fun and stuff like that and a little bit of serious nature as well but the way that Ert Meyer does it I'm sure it wasn't right <laughs> but uh, overall I don't mind that 100% Next up here, continuing on in the article, Meyer also forbade players from speaking with opponents on the field before games. Once claimed the Jaguars lost because they dressed sloppily and told offensive players he wanted them to dunk the ball over the goalposts after touchdowns, even though doing so would draw a fine from the league. But more than Meyer's coaching quirks, if you want to call him that, uh, the way he treated people particularly troubled some in the organization. Another thing here, talking to the players before the games I don't mind that either you know I, I I just don't you know from like a competition aspect you know I don't want to kind of you know be chumming it up with the you know my opposition handshake sportsmanship I think is a little kind of overused as well if you don't want to be sportsman like don't be disrespectful absolutely you know there's a fine line of being disrespectful but if you don't want to kind of you know high five after the game shake hands after the games I really don't mind doing that either so you know I, I don't I know it's bad because it's all coming from a Meyer and it seems all bad but some 
some of the things you know I don't disagree with. I know players don't like that. Players aren't going to like you not letting them talk to players, uh, you know, because once again, everybody's sense of competition is different. Not everybody weighs it as much as everybody else. Yes, some people still love competition. That's always the baseline. That's why they are, you know, professional players because they somewhat love the competition. But everybody's love of competition and how much they feed in that competition and how much they just kind of really kind of mentally buy into competition, it's all different. So that's why I don't knock anybody's kind of competitive edge or anything like that. Because everybody is kind of different in their thinking of what competition is and what should and should not be allowed or not allowed, but just kind of done in a competition competitive setting, folks. Uh, so some of those I don't mind by Urban Meyer. Continuing on, not long after veteran receiver John Brown signed with the Jaguars as a free agent, he ran the wrong route in practice. To correct the mistake, Brown, who is from Florida and a rookie and rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence ran through the entire Ran through the route again after practice. Meyer walked up to the pair, said, quote, Hey, Trevor, you've got to slow it down for him. These boys from the South, their transcripts, their transcripts ain't right. So once again, Urban Meyer with the whole kind of, you know, college, bringing that to the NFL. Will you stop? Will you grow? Like everything from college he's bringing here to the NFL, folks. It does not work like that. Um, another time during a meeting that also included members of the coaching and personal staff, personnel staff, Meyer berated a player so harshly that the player cried. Oh my gosh. According to two sources, Meyer slammed the door after departing the meeting, leaving others to console the player. The next day, one of the other staff members pre present confronted Meyer about the incident and what one source described as a tense exchange. Sources said Myers repeatedly belittled his staff to its members' faces. He told his assistants he was a winner and they were losers, then demanded they defend their resumes. We talked about that. One player said it was coaches... One player said it was coaches often looked drained whenever they left staff meetings with Meyer. Says, quote, the players got it so bad when it comes to him talking to us, but I believed the coaches got it worse. Quote, you've got players in fear that they're going to lose their jobs. You've got coaches who he belittled in front of us, and I can only imagine what he was doing behind closed doors. I'm surprised he lasted that long, to be honest with you. So... Um, that's, well, let's, let, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to end it here, but, uh, man, oh man, I mean, what more do we need to hear from our Meyer? Uh, everything that we kind of heard earlier on is kind of confirming true. And all this new information is just so above and beyond. Um, Urban Meyer truly is a maniac folks, but I want to read this maybe potentially last one thing right here. First paragraph kind of, first, well, first sentence catches the eye. The most notorious incident of Meyer's tenure came in late September when Jacksonville played a Thursday night game in Cincinnati. The Jaguar, oh, was this where he stayed? <laughs> is this where he stayed in Ohio? The Jaguars lost to the Bengals 24-21, their fourth straight defeat after the season opener. Meyer had confidently told his team he had never lost two in a row. But after the Cincinnati loss, one source said Meyer looked, quote, shell-shocked in the locker room. He told players he had nothing to say good. Shell-shocked. I want that man to be so embarrassed. I'm so glad Urban Meyer loves winning so much that he was so embarrassed losing so much for the Jaguars. I'm glad you're embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. You are a disgrace of a coach. You're a disgrace of a mentor, a leader, a coach, everything it stands for. You're a disgrace. You're not a winner at all. And you're an absolute garbage head coach at the highest position. Congratulations. You did it at the second highest level. 
You did it at the second highest level, the college program. Congratulations, Irma. You beat a bunch of schools that were trash. Congratulations. You could not get it done in the highest level where everybody was good. Irma, you're a trash coach. You don't even know what it means to be a coach, and you don't even know what it takes to win at the highest level. Absolute trash, and you should be shell-shocked. Garbage, Urban Meyer. But let's get back to the article. Neither. <clears throat> Let me blow the nose real quick. All right, here we go. Uh, neither coaches nor players, however, realized that Meyer didn't board the team flight that night. Neither coaches nor players, however, realized. That's funny. They didn't even know Urban Meyer was gone. Uh, so that's how... Uh, that's how much they didn't care about him. Nobody even realized if he was on the plane or not. Um, it wasn't until a video emerged over the weekend showing Meyer dancing with a young woman in his Ohio Steakhouse that players and coaches learned he had stayed behind. Multiple sources said Meyer went from position group to position group telling players that the women in the video tried to lure him into the dance floor despite Meyer's refusal. But according to two sources, soon after he left one position group, a second more provocative video became public, throwing everything Meyer said in doubt. So he's a liar. You know, he's beg he begs for forgiveness when he does wrong, but nobody else can beg for forgiveness when he, when, uh, when Urban Meyer deems that they did wrong. So hypocrite, liar, everything like that, adulterer. He's a garbage human being, folks. And I've got no problem saying this, honestly. If you're going to show us this, then we're going to, you know, speak how it is. And this is, you want, you know, and yes, you can always learn from your mistakes and get better and change and all that. Yes, he can do that. But until he proves that, I'm going to think of him as a garbage person. That's how I think of Urban Meyer. In late November, Meyer told reporters that receivers were running the wrong routes. As NFL Network's Tom Peloroso reported, the comment so enraged veteran receiver Marvin Jones that Marvin Jones left the team facility. He eventually confronted Meyer at practice, but was diplomatic when he spoke to reporters about the incident saying, quote, I'll just say this. There was something that was brought to my attention that I didn't like too well. And we read that story as well. So seems like we've really kind of hit everything here on Urban Meyer and everything that the article has to say. So once again, that is Urban Meyer. Glad that he's out of the league. Should never get a chance again to coach in the NFL. Um, he should not get a chance to redeem himself. I would say that squash of how extreme he was year one. I don't even give him a chance to redeem himself. He can redeem himself on the outside, saying he's a great person, all that. That's fine. But I don't think he should be allowed in another NFL's locker room. He's broken that kind of, you know, trust and bond between coach and player, uh, professional and player and, you know, kind of business and playing side, business and competitive side. He overstepped those boundaries too many times, and I think we're just done. We all should be done with him. Um, so there's Urban Meyer, folks. Seems like a great guy. <laughs> Seems like a great guy, but I don't know. All right. So that's uh, – <laughs> what an article. What an article. All right. So Urban Meyer, garbage coach. Garbage coach. I think we can all agree with that. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow tomorrow around noon Eastern doing it all again. NBA, NFL stories, anything that comes up, anything that arises, we will break down. So back tomorrow live news, noon Eastern doing it all again. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow, folks. Have an absolute great one. Cavs minus five, easing ourselves back to betting in the NBA, folks. Let's start off strong. Cavs minus the five. All right, folks, have an absolute great one. We are out of here. Urban Meyer.